like I said in the um, introduction, I wanted to examine the idea, the Talmudic idea, that doctors require, doctors require permission, divine permission to heal. And if you turn your attention to the first source on the sheet, the source of this idea, the source of this Talmudic idea is the biblical text, uh, Pasuk from Shemot. Can I have a volunteer to read either Hebrew or English? Yeah, please. And just introduce yourself. I am and, David from okay. Vermont. Great. Uh, when men quarrel and one strikes the other with stone or fist, and he does not die but has to take to his bed, if he then gets up and walks outdoors upon his staff, the assailant shall go unpunished, except that he must pay for the loss of his time. Great. Okay, so what's the, if you didn't know the rabbinic um, interpretation of this pasuk, just describe the scenario to me. That, that you don't have to pay for the injury. Well, first of all, hang on. So there's an injury, there is a fight between two people. Right. You have a victim, you have an assailant, and... And he does not die. Okay. The person who's hit. And he gets up, and, he, and because he does, he can go, and he can walk outdoor. He has enough strength that he can actually get up and walk out, aided by his staff. Excellent. That he can walk out. Um, the person who initiated it will not be punished, but um, for the time, he must pay compensation and tort damage for the healing. Great, that's the shifto, Rocky shifto yiten. How do you read a verapo yirape? So are do you mean that the person will be healed? In other words, and the person the assailant pays for the loss of time and then the victim will proceed to heal? Or are you reading it that this kind of places some kind of obligation on the assailant? Verapo Yurepe, that's how the rabbis read it? That right, the, but it does have like a, a passage, uh, he, he will be healed. Okay, yeah. great, okay. Well, I assume the rabbis are, are reading something active because of the infinitive absolute. Good, okay, Verapo. That Yurepe is clearly, you fall, it's great. passive, he's healed, but the rabbis, will, as they do, like to make something. Excellent. So that grammatical construction, Verapo Yurepe, that... Infinitive absolute and oh, this oh, might be a little bit too much. <laughs> then we're gonna deal with people falling asleep, <laughs> like me. Okay, um, so that's a very typical biblical grammatical construction. Now, and there's a debate in rabbinic literature whether or not you extrapolate something from that redundancy, from that seeming redundancy. Um, sometimes, does anybody know what the kind of what the flip side of reading into it is, what's the opposing opinion? Either you can read something into it and learn something from the redundancy, or you can say, that yeah, there is redundancy, this is the way, this is biblical Hebrew, and there's, that's how people talk about that, exactly, and there's nothing to read into it. So that in itself, um, that's interesting, especially because if you turn to source number two, who is reading something into this redundancy? 
And source number two, Rebbe Yishmael, right. And typically it's Rebbe Yishmael who says, So that's kind of an interesting, I don't know, I haven't looked into that uh, discrepancy, if it is a discrepancy. Um, so here, Rebbe Yishmael takes the redundancy and says that the mikan shenitan reshut larofel rapot. So this redundancy teaches us that the doctor has permission from God, presumably, to heal. Now this breita is uh, cited in a piece of Gemara. Uh, can somebody can somebody read the next source? Source number three, either he, either Hebrew or English, either Aramaic or English. Yeah, please. Um, yeah. Yeah, please. Great. Okay, hang on. So we have the situation of bloodletting. Um, somebody goes in to have their bloodlet, I guess. And according to Rav Acha, the person should recite a blessing. And what is the, what's the substance of the blessing? What's the content? The doctor recites the blessing. Certainty. I'm not sure. Oh. I, I read it as the patient. That God should heal me either through this operation or, or procedure, or maybe even despite the procedure, okay. because actually, statistically, bloodletting was less successful more, most of the time. Um, but it was done with the intention of reform. Right, yes, so yes, absolutely, absolutely. And then, and what's the key line? Why should the person recite this, um, why should the person recite this uh, bracha because it is not the custom or it is not the way of people to heal. However, this is what they have grown accustomed to. So that's Rav Acha's opinion, that anybody who goes in to have this procedure has to recite this bracha. Now Abaye comes along and says, no. Can, can you continue reading, please? Amar Abaye lo lema enapachi detani debe. Rabbi Ishmael, or a boy or a pet, the Khan, Shanita Reshut, Lorapet, Lorapot, the Kaimai Omer, Amarabacha, Baruch Rafe Hinam. Okay, great. So Abaye comes along and presents a different opinion. No, you do not have to say this bracha. Why? Why not? Um, because need not reshoot Great, we already have the Torah already gives us permission to heal. A blanket permission. Yes. For all. Exactly for all healing. So you don't have to kind of give this. Um, I don't know. You don't have to give this. I don't know. What would you call it? This blessing, which is supposed to kind of the blessing would give permission, and because of that. You know, you can just go on, go in, and you do what you have to do, and the doctor does what he has to do, and that's it. Um, I think what's striking here is that from the Talmudic perspective, it's not assumed that the doctor is allowed to heal. 
that even Abaye, who says, yes, the do you can bloodletting and any kind of medical procedure is legitimate, is okay, even Abaye seems to feel that you need some kind of biblical mandate in order to do this, in order to go into this medical realm. Ravacha seems to think that you should not be doing it. However, people are doing it, so what are you going to do? You have to kind of, you say a bracha in order to kind of, you know, I don't know, clear the way for that. But even Abaye seems to think that you need, that the to you need permission from the Torah. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Do you, I, I'm, I guess I'm confused with the original um, biblical text which has nothing to do with doctors, and, and then just seeing this here at the end, the way you're translating Pinam, um, yeah. is it because is that is that the con the line of connection in terms of like someone who's paid for their work and we're dealing in the original context with the assailant who's paying mm. for the loss of time, or is it not connected at all? I just I was just trying. To I don't think I didn't read that as connected. I see it as Rav Acha is kind of giving the. There are two brachot, according to Rav Acha, which you say when you go in for these medical procedures. The first one has to do with kind of acknowledging that I shouldn't really be doing this, but I'm doing it anyway, and I'm praying to God for, exactly, I'm praying to God to make this go well. And then the closing bracha, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting, especially in light of, yeah, baruch rofechinam, that, you know, that back then doctors took money and that was seemed to have been maybe frowned upon. In the next source, we'll actually uh, deal with that a little bit more. Uh, but I didn't read those as connected. I didn't read that as connected to the biblical source. Is, yeah. is it, I mean, we read the first source, so we're thinking about payment. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that Hinan here doesn't refer to payment, but is more saying that, like, you know, it's like, like, relate to Chain, like grace, that just, you mm -hmm. know, that got, that, it, it, you mm -hmm. know, the one who, just with, with the overall framework that, you know, a human being does things with expectation of competition, mm -hmm. but God, you know, mm -hmm. gives us love. Right, exactly. Like, Interesting. Like, it's a gift from God, not that mm. it's not like, you know, right. it doesn't take a copay. Interesting. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> well, that's why I, th I think there's a general point about human agency mm -hmm. in the cloud, because the, 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 the bracha, you know, ki el like, recognizing that whatever is happening to us that might have some kind of human agency, really, ultimately, it's, it's God. So it's like, it's negated. I mean, whether it's a doctor or someone else, I think there's a general theology there, right? I th yes, I would agree, and that's a good transition to the medieval sources where that is not the case, where we see a shift. Uh -huh. And I would say that the shift that happens has to do with even medieval rabbis, for, like Ibn Ezra, and we'll look at that quickly, even a rabbi who says that you still need permission and that it's not the case that all healing is legitimate, um, there's kind of this sense of like, but that's weird. There's something weird about the idea that you would ask, that you would need divine permission to heal. Um, and that's the shift that takes place in the medieval period. So if you look very quickly, um, well, let's, first, let's start with the Tosfot Harash on this, on this Gemara. Um, can, somebody, can somebody read? Yeah, please. Um, let's see. Uh, 
Okay, so we have this question. Basically, what we would ask when we read this Brita uh, or this Gemara, Pshita, isn't this obvious? Why wouldn't doctors have permission to heal? It's a weird trope. And then, and then um, Rav Yaakov of Orleans points to some psukim, which we'll come back to. The first one, the Hashevoto Lo. Any ideas what that's a reference to in Devarim? Hashavad Aveda, right? Included in the mandate to return lost objects is returning somebody's lost health. So that's one source for healing, that it's necessary, that it's, in, that it's actually right for a doctor to heal. Um, and then there's also lo tamod al If a doctor has a patient who's sick or dying and who comes in, of course the doctor should heal because you sh- cannot stand idly by. So what's the response? Why is it necessary to get this permission? Why is, it, why is that kind of permission to heal um, canonized? Continue. Okay. Um, Great. Um, okay, so hang on. So one reason, why do you need permit what do you need permission to heal? What kind of healing do you need permission for? Salary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to heal with to heal uh, with money, and then he gives another explanation. Great. Great. We won't read the Ibn Ezra inside, but basically Ibn Ezra says, he's responding to an idea uh, proposed by Ibn Ezra that for certain kinds of injuries, you can go get healing. Which kinds of injuries are those? When you were hurt by another person. Exactly. So for those kinds of external injuries... That's okay, you can go to the doctor. However, for internal injuries, which would appear to be... Exactly. For though, so Ibn Ezra says you should not seek <coughs> medical attention for those kinds of injuries. Ibn Ezra says that straight out. And here the Tosfot Arash says, no, because we have this idea of permission to heal, therefore we know that you can go even when it comes to internal injuries, you can go and seek healing. Excuse me, is, yeah. is Rabbi Yaakov of Orleans Ibn Ezra? No, 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 no. So I'm just... Where are you? No, I'm just... I, ha- I included the Ibn Ezra um, on the next page. Number seven. Source number seven. Yeah, where where it says... Um, yeah, in source number seven, Ibn Ezra says in that context that you are not allowed to seek medical attention for internal injuries. Mm-hmm. It's striking that Ibn Ezra, by the way, says that because yes. he himself, I, I'm not sure how much medicine he practiced, but he was a scientist, and he considered, he gave a lot of, um, he, he 
science was very important to him. He had an enormous, you know, scientific encyclopedia that he wrote and things like that. Yeah. Just a, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I feel fortunate that we have the schmuck text because we could have gone down the path of is it uh, Christian Science where they don't let you mm -hmm. take medicine, mm -hmm. and, you know, that it sort of uh, interferes with God's process, Great. particularly for some for something that uh, is not you know like whatever cancer, a disease that's not external, you know, yeah. doesn't hit you or anything. That it just sort of comes from from God, it can be healed by God. Right, especially because there are biblical verses which you could read to say, um, yeah, medicine and doctors are the wrong route. That's right, not right. what you should yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that in the medieval period, especially in, this, in, the, uh, in the Rambam, which we'll look at very quickly, that's very much put to rest. Right. Where the Rambam takes it one step further and says, not only do we have permission to heal, there is an obligation to heal. So let's look at that um, very quickly. Look at source number 11, yeah? I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but is yeah. there a way to give name as being kind of mental, spiritual illness, rather than some kind of internal disease? Because mm. I, I, I mean, we're reading it, we're making an assumption that it's stuff mm -hmm. you can see on the outside and stuff that's mm -hmm. internal, but if name, I mean, could it? That's really interesting, I don't know. And it's, I mean, there are biblical contexts where you see that type of uh, illness. So I don't know how they, I don't know how the medievals interact with that. Um, there's definitely a recognition among medieval, you know, there's a huge field and corpus of medieval Hebrew medical literature. And Jews in the medieval period were instrumental in, uh, in serving as a conduit of Greco-Arabic medicine and medical treatises from Andalusia to the Latin West. Um, so, and there's definitely discussion about more mental illness, um, but I don't know if in this source particular, Freud. right. But we, is, do we see the word bifnim and for we have habayim atzman? Habayim right. Which is, seems more, yeah. more general. Mm -hmm. Right, I don't know. Okay. Um, let's move on to the Rambam. So the Rambam's, the context of the Rambam, it's from his Perush uh, HaMishnayot, where, and he's, there are two people. One vows not to get any benefit from his friend. That's the context of the, of the Mishnah. And if his, when the person, let's say you have Reuven, Reuven vows not to get any benefit from Shimon. So if Shimon comes in to visit Reuven, the, according to the Mishnah, Shimon should stand, omed avalo yoshev, but he should not sit. And then when it comes to healing, Shimon can heal Reuven even though Reuven vowed not to get benefit from Shimon. However, he cannot heal Reuven's property, his livestock, okay? And, and there, here there's an assumption we're talking about some kind of medical or quasi-medical Right. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. Can I just ask yeah. one yeah. context question? Uh -huh. what, what are we talking about when one would vow not to derive benefit from a friend? Is that... Yeah. And does one take vows like that? Yeah. I don't know. I think that's... This is... I mean, it's in Nidarim, and I think that there's just a series of possible situations where one person vows not to get benefit from another person. I don't know the exact context. So, yeah. 
the, I guess the question is, it's assumed as somebody who could heal as opposed to like sort of the notion of a Bikur Cholim that takes away one We'll get to that in the Rambam. The Rambam is an incredibly important source for Bikur Cholim, and we'll and keep that in mind. Okay, um, somebody want to read source number eleven? Yeah, thank you. Okay, so that so the Rambam's explaining the Mishnah. Okay, that's great. Okay. Great. Okay. So the Rambam saying, why is it that the sick person can be healed? by his friend, even though he took this vow. Why is it? Because shechayav harofet min hadin That the person is actually obligated to heal the sick person. And again, what's the source for this? Hashavat aveda, returning somebody's lost uh, property to them. In this case, it includes the person's body. So it's as if the body is, when they're sick, lost. Correct. Is that right? So yes. it's like when you're sick, and then so healing is like returning something that's lost. That's, that's exactly it. Oh. That's so, the wrong So Essentially, he's taking healing. I mean, law is always a question of like, what category is this thing in? So, he, so the Rambam, if I'm understanding it right, this is my question, is taking, <coughs> if I come to heal Ron, he's taking that out of Ron benefiting from me and putting it in a different category, which is that I'm doing a mitzvah. Exactly. So it doesn't apply. Exactly. And it should just be said that he's not invet he's taking a Talmudic idea that when you see somebody, let's say, uh, being attacked by a wild animal, then you have to go in and save them. Why? Because of Hashavat Aveda, because of the source of Hashavat Aveda. However, in the, the Talmud does not speak about that in reference to healing. The Talmud only speaks about that with a range of other situations where you have the ability to save somebody, but not in the context of healing. The Rambam extends it to medical healing. Okay? And he doesn't make any distinction between internal and external? No, the Rambam does not make any distinction between internal and external injuries. Yeah. So I'm wondering, and it may not be here, but what the role of money is now. If, if I'm simply fulfilling a mitzvah, it's an obligation on me, mm. uh, why should he pay me? Especially since he's vowed not to have any benefit. Right. So we will get to that in the Ramban. Okay, that will become... Well, what was that? You could ask the same of Bravas. I was uh -huh. thinking yeah. that too. <laughs> we're doing mitzvah and getting married. That's not what we're getting to. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, it's hard yeah. to yeah. The doctor in close proximity or the any doctor, all doctors of the world are now obligated to heal this person. I mean, in this context, this is kind of an intimate context, right? It's the person who's coming in to visit. So because I come now into your presence, yeah. now I'm up. Now I'm yes, up. correct. Um, let's turn, let's quickly look at uh, the Rambam uh, Mishnah Torah. Yeah. Yeah, is it, this is assuming that Bikr Cholim is effective in healing. We're going to get to be Korcholim. We're not up to be Korcholim yet. This friend is a doctor that's coming in? Okay, so he, that's the, that seems to be the assumption. Yes, that does seem to be the assumption. 
Let's just look quickly at the next Rambam. Um, call, and it's important, I want to keep actually track of the different proof texts that were, or the different, yeah, different ideas that were coming across. So, number one, we had this idea of reshut. Reshut l'rapot. And now, number two, we had the idea of hashabat avedah. And number three, And actually, we saw this before as well. It's so interesting the context of a medical system that believed in bloodletting. Ironic. Yes. Okay. Do you know, I mean, uh, how late was that? of the population, but 30% of the doctors. Um, right. I don't know. I mean, there was, uh, I mean, there's a whole field of scholarship right. devoted to this. Let's go to the Ramban in Tarata Adam, which is the Ramban's treatise on, uh, on Abelud, on mourning. And the Ramban here makes a really interesting move with his prior sources. And I want you to just pay attention to the ways in which he demonstrates continuity and to the ways in which he diverges. Um, somebody want to read the Ramban? English or Hebrew? Yeah, please. Great. 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 
Okay, great. So, where? What would you say? Where is he? Where does he? Yes, let's read. Let's read the English because it's. This is an important source. So what the doctor may say. Um, so from here, the permission was given to the doctor to heal. The explanation is, lest the doctor say, why should I agonize over this, lest I make a mistake and accidentally kill people? Therefore, the Torah gave him permission to heal. But this permission is a permission of obligation and falls into the category of saving a life. And we learn from this that every doctor who knows this wisdom and this trade is obligated to heal. And if he holds himself back, he is shedding blood. And it's part of the obligation, love your fellow as you love yourself. So, okay, so, so, so even if there's a possibility that this healing, there's things could go wrong. Yeah, what does this sound like? <laughs> like yeah, malpractice. And well, I, I mean, every time you make a medical intervention, something can happen. Right. And if you're always worried about that as a physician, you're never going to make a medical intervention. Correct. Exactly. And I th but I think um, it, it is a kind of med medieval malpractice um, notion in the sense that you should continue doing it anyway. And actually, I didn't realize this until recently. There was, um, just to show how um, th these issues were actually brought in courts of law, um, there was a case from the 13, from 1318 in a small town in Valencia where a Jewish physician named Abrahim Aben Galel, this is fascinating, administered a fatal um, pur purgative, purgative to a woman who was pregnant with a boy. He was presumably was a Christian patient because he was accused of negligence in his treatment and was only then exonerated when a Christian physician testified that he had examined the woman's urine only a few days earlier, and she had not been pregnant at the time. So, first of all, there's all sorts of interesting um, Jewish-Christian uh, relationship um, implications when it came to medicine and the Christian patients, the relationship between Christian and Jewish doctors. Um, by the way, urine, in addition to bloodletting, examining urine was a very uh, significant um, kind of Diagnostic, theory. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, what were you going to say? Uh, yeah. I just thought it was interesting this, uh, I don't know if I've seen this, but Rashut de Mitzvah. Okay, that's so that's, strange. so great. So when it comes to the Ramban, we have this new, he kind of invents this new category of Rashut de Mitzvah a permission of obligation. And we're going to have to unpack this. What this, what this category might mean for the Ramban, it's new. And it ends up getting codified by, you know, in the Shulchan Aruch, they end up drawing, maybe not exactly this term, but they end up using this concept of a permission which has the force of an obligation. It's almost oxymoronic. Like yes. Rashut is by definition not obligatory. Yeah. Yes, but exactly. Well, no, but those things get really tied up in worship because we, we had things from which we were exempt that became right. things that we were not then permitted to do. Hmm. Now that's true. Being patur goes to being forbidden. Right. You know, asur. Still, no, it seems different. I feel it's like once you have the permission, then you are obligated. Yes. I think like that's the, it. That's exactly and it's, 
It's actually it's a tension that goes until today in different legal systems because the obligation to assist, which is not acknowledged mm -hmm. in the American legal system, exists in other places. I think I'm very. I mean, I grew up with a dad who's a doctor, and on more than one occasion in my childhood, there'd be someone choking or having a heart attack or something, and I remember very actively, right? He intervened. Because there's an obligation. Because there's an obligation, you're and, and you're mitigating. No, and you can't. I think there's a law in the book, sort of a medical good Samaritan mm -hmm. law, yeah. that if you were a doctor who intervenes, like at a baseball stadium, then you can't be can you be can you be sued for not intervening? I don't think you can be sued for not intervening. On Seinfeld. That's right. So yeah. just on, on the continuum of, of good Samaritan laws, when I was a camp counselor, uh, when we were being trained, they said you as a camp counselor who know the children are not covered by Good Samaritan laws. Mm. So if something should be happening to the kids when you're not near the infirmary, your best bet is actually to schlep them out to the road and hope mm -hmm. that somebody comes by, mm -hmm. which is a horrible thing to right. tell a camp counselor, but mm -hmm. also but saying like, oh, so we did not have permission to do CPR because we knew we were not they knew we were not mm -hmm. trained, and so the camp would be held liable. Right. If we were right. to right. teach us CPR. I mean, anyway. I think. Yeah. But on the other yeah. hand, yeah. we are required to uh, report uh, mistreatment of children. Yeah, because we because that's a Okay. Yeah. I don't. And we have permission to violate confidentiality. Yeah. If we didn't have permission to violate confidentiality, if we didn't have the mandatory reporting, then we would not have permission to violate confidentiality in any other, in any context. Right. Right. So okay, but well, let's go. Let's get back to the Ramban. There was shoot to be the permission. I think what I think the way that it was formulated is great. Once you have the permission, then you are obligated. Hold hold on to that because we'll see that he elaborates upon this in his uh, in his Torah commentary. Yeah. So I, I just want to suggest that although this is new language for us, mm -hmm. that it is not. A new, it's not a new concept halakhically. We'll all mm -hmm. recognize it in pikuach nefesh, that there are all sorts of things that normally are actually forbidden that become. Hmm. But that's not related to reshoot. Mm -hmm. it's Nobody, not it, no, but it is oh. there, there are things that you normally think about that. would be mm -hmm. forbidden from doing that that you are not that you become. Permitted, permitted to, to transgress. Uh -huh. So that's. In, I mean, it's interesting to think that's of that as maybe the Ramban's source because he mentions pikuach nefesh as a source. This is part. This is assumed under the category of pikuach nefesh. What are some of the other ways in which the Ramban kind of takes his source material and diverges? Well, first of all, we said that the reason that you need permission. <laughs> That's also different, this idea, this kind of, for lack of a better term, this kind of medieval malpractice. Well, his source is fascinating because he does yeah. not cite uh, low time mode, but Great. rather uh, exactly in Excellent. So now we have, he has other, so he has other sources, and I'll put those up. So we have the Ahavta Lareacha Kamocha. And we also have Shvichut Damim, right? Great. Okay. I'd like to take maybe five to ten minutes and ask you to split up into Chavrutas 
and read the next Ramban. So the next Ramban is from his commentary, from his Torah commentary to Vayikra. And as you read, it's a pretty, it's a long source. Um, it's a pretty amazing Ramban. And as you read, I want you to think about, at the end of the Ramban, who has, who is granting permission to the doctor? According to this Ramban, what is the source of this, uh, of this permission to heal? Try to, and pay attention to what he's doing, kind of how he's interpreting uh, the Gemara. So just, you know, if you could just... I would say five to ten minutes. Okay, I am going to bring us back together. Even if you didn't finish, that's okay. So, even if you're not done, that's fine. We'll, let's start with this. There is, what's the first paradigm that the Ramban presents? The first paradigm that the Ramban presents. Uh, Israel is Shalem. Great. Shem, and uh, healing and the happens naturally. I mean, uh, God brings rain in their due time, and you know, uh, those are those are the rules that are applied. It, it, we operate in a um, in a, a certain natural order of things, or in, in unnatural order. Okay. And what's the impetus for? Sickness or spiritual, spiritual exactly ethical. Like if you if you sin, great. Okay, and onesh. Yeah. That's right. it. So that's the first paradigm. Yeah. Why it's rabbi? Why, why is it necessary? When he describes this ideal state, he says, and there are lots of Jews. Does right. it? I, I just lots of Jews. Hmm. Yeah, like a majority just, when yeah. oh when he says that. Perfect state of things. The hem rabim. I assume it's just about flourishing, right? Right. You know. Mm, Yeah. I mean, even if an individual lived a a life of piety and faith, God would not look after him. It's only only under the circumstances where you have many Jews. It just struck me as odd. It seems, yeah, that's interesting, especially because the first kind of... he de- when he describes kind of the biblical instantiation of this, it's a little bit more general. When he describes the rabbinic instantiation of this, it's Rav Yosef, right? It's just one individual who, who kind of chooses to operate according to this paradigm. Um, he's not saying that all of the rabbis of the Talmud are you know, kind of in this supernatural mode. He's just saying that there's one, as far as I you know, as far as I understood. Okay, so that's the first paradigm. Then what, then it gets a lot more complicated. How does he read the idea of, how does he read the Gemara? She'ein darkam shal b'nei adam b'rufu'ot ela shenahagu. What is the idea? What's the, what's this idea of people? Well, let me ask you this. Do we, are we allowed, or are doctors permitted to heal? Yeah. Well, it's up to us. It's up to us. If, if we opt in to the medical enterprise, then yes, doctors are permitted to heal. However... But once we opt in, God opts out. 
Once right. we opt in, God yeah. opts out. God you seems to retract and lets nature take its course. It has nothing to do with sin, punishment, reward, anything right. like that. Yeah. Where do you get the idea that, 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 that that's permitted? Like, I, I, I get the idea that if we, I, that we see at the bottom of the page, that if we opt into, it's like choosing a healthcare plan. If you opt right. into one, you don't get the, right. you don't get the doctors right. on the other. It's right. not PPO. Yeah, there's... But, but where do you get the idea that, that that's permitted? I, 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 I had just understood this as, you know, there's basically one path or another path. If you choose the doctor path, as I said to Ron, because into height, no pun intended, just, you know, Bakasha, but I don't have any part of this. Right, exactly. I what do you mean where does the Ramban derive? Yes, but wait, let me where are you seeing it? No, not where's the Ramban. Where are you seeing in the Ramban the idea that it's permitted that like you're just choosing an alternative health care system? I I think that I I think yeah, it's I clear it's that yeah, I think it's descriptive. I think he probably prefers the first paradigm, but it's kind of also like the halcyon days of yore. In other words, he does he's not seriously considering that there's any medieval society or community who would opt in. Um, I mean, it's, it's striking to me that it's not just biblical. I think it is interesting that um, he cites this rabbinic example of Rav Yosef who you know, in 22, or is it, yeah, 22 years, Rav Yosef never, you know, called a blood letter to his house. It's not just in the Tanakh. Um, it's also, there are rabbinic examples of this. However, I think that he's acknowledging that this is what society has since decided to do. And now that society has opted into medicine, what's the, then what? Now that society has opted in, what, What's the implication of that for doctors? They can, they can, they can heal. It's not just yeah. that they can heal. They, they, might be, they must heal. They, they might be liable for, for somebody dying on their footsteps. And even so, even so, right. Even if somebody, in other words, even if their intervention you know, is unsuccessful, even if there's some kind of negligence, there, there's still the obligation to pursue healing on the part of the doctors. Wasn't he also a physician? Yes, he was. So that's also, go, I'm sorry, I forget your name? Sue. Sue. So go, that's, that's also striking that it's not just that descriptive in the sense that, you know, this is what people are doing, this is what he's doing, right? right? Yes, he was, a, he was a physician, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think part of it here is that he has this idealized vision of the state of nature. You know? Okay. It's almost Rousseauian. You know, in the natural state, as things are meant to be, um, we are shalaming with God, mm -hmm. and God takes care of us. But we don't live in that world. It's now customary. We're in a different world, and in this world, physicians actually have to do this job because we have forfeited that natural relationship. Correct. I mean, I think it's, I mean, the role of Kabbalah in this sense, you know, Kabbalah is an entirely different reality for the Ramban. He's kind of, in his Torah commentary, we see this. He kind of sees two simultaneously occurring realities. There's what's happening in the Sfirot, and then there's what's happening on the ground, so to speak. And those are in opposition to each other. They affect one another, but they're 
two very different parallel realities. Yeah. Um, I'm a little hung up on mm -hmm. the fact that the physician doesn't have permission until the patient gives them permission. Now, it says that uh, um, they did not say uh, that permission was given to the sick to be healed, but instead they stated that since the person who became sick comes to the physician to be healed, so by, again, if it's the patient that Correct. comes in. Correct, yes. And um, you could even, and it sounds like you're reading that as the permission, the source of the permission is the patient or well, people. People are basically, society are granting the doctor permission. Society no. is granting the patient permission. To go in, to go to into go the doctor, to go in. And once the patient walks in, then the reshoot turns into yes. a mitzvah. But what about the person who collapses on the street? I don't think they're approaching that. Mm, uh, that's reading the Ramban in a very technical way. I would read him in a little bit more of a symbolic so or metaphorical way. When you say the person gives permission, you're really meaning society. Yes, right, correct. That's what, I, that's what I would say. I, I'm not sure that the Ramban would read the Ramban the way that I'm reading him. I think the Ramban would say, no, permission is given by God. God is giving, once people decide to seek medical care, God gives permission to the doctor to do his job. However, I think that essentially the idea is that people are giving. People are the source. People are really the are kind of forcing God's hand, it's so to speak. Of, it's like Hillel said, you know, about the sheep carrying the... Uh, What's that? that? Uh, what is they, they, the sheep? It's Shabbat, and do we carry it or don't? And he said, well, look what the people do. Uh-huh, okay. In the, in, the, in the wool, right? Yeah, but they do. In the timing of these two texts. What's first, the... The timing between these two Nachmanides texts, the first one seems a little more developed than this one. Seems like that was a later text, probably. That oh, you think the Torah Ha'adam is more developed than the commentary? Well, yeah, Interesting. The word mitzvah is in there. It's not right. in there. Right, and it's not in there. I don't remember which one came first. It's a good question. Okay, so the Ramban, I also just want to note, if we look at some of the sources that the Ramban is citing, even as he, even as he kind of nods, to this, to this Brighta and to the Gemara where it's uh, quoted of the Rashut Ot, he's citing how would you characterize some of these sources, whether in Torah HaAdam or in his Perush. Uh, I don't know if he actually cites that, but how would you characterize these sources in contrast to this source? In contrast to in contrast to this pay in contrast to the proof text where which grants doctors permission to heal. Right. Yeah, difference between permission and commandedness. Okay, so this so the pay lends itself more to permission, and these lend themselves more to commandedness. Why? Um, I mean, they're, they're, they are they're all four, five, and six are all commands. Commands. Okay. Interesting. They're also kind of universal moral principles, okay. right? This is more of a technical de derivation. Um, although I'm interested in that idea that the technical derivation maybe lends itself more to the idea of reshoot, and these lend themselves more to uh, a command. Interesting. 
Yeah. Um, the whole idea of Rashut uh, is a matter between man and God. Mm -hmm. um, all these other things are between man and man. So, um, okay. I mean, if you're not allowed to do them, who is the I, source of Rashut? So what? you're saying it's still God? It's the, still God in an ultimate sense? In terms of giving permission, yes. Okay, I uh, think a lot of that, though, here is being blurred. I think in Ramban's, in this model that the Ramban's presenting, who's giving permission? It's God, but it's also people. Right. And it's not so, I don't think that there's a very clear line drawn in, the, in contrast to, let's say, the original source in the Gemara or in the Braita, where it's very clear that the permission is coming from God. I think that's very clear. And the doctor is deriving that permission from God. Here, there's a bit more, it's a little bit more, more murky, I would say. Yeah. So when we get to the end of this Yeah. Teaching? Yeah, what, how much longer do I have, by the way? No, no, three, four, okay, four, okay, we got to move. Okay, yeah. When we get to the end. No, no, no. That's good. So, so, what, what, so what's going on here? So, so we, we have, if I understood correctly, the Ramban is saying, ideally, we would all be living, you know, in union with God. And I think get, so. We'd get, you know, we, we would be healthy if we follow God's ways, and we would be cursed with sickness if, if we don't. But nowadays, people just uh, go to see doctors, and doctors are given permission, even obligation, to treat people in accordance with the natural laws. But then we get to the end, and it's sort yeah. of like, um, mm. well, um, if if you don't subscribe to the societal norms, you it may be it may be that the physician has permission to treat patients who come to him, but but like good Jews don't go to doctors. Is, is that what it's saying? I don't think so. I don't. I think that's what he's saying. Well, it says when a person's ways please eternal, he need have no concern with physicians. So that's that's why I'm reading. Oh, okay. I think that's a nod to the very beginning. In other words, that's kind of that's a nod to this idea that in a utopia, people would not. So it's no longer operative. So, yes, I th I I think so. Forgive me. One last question. Yeah. So I understand that we're 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 learning that a doctor is not only permitted but obligated to treat. Is a patient both permitted and obligated to seek treatment? Okay, that's a whole different uh, area. Um, great a, question. A different year. Different year. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a few years. <laughs> okay, let's turn to the Rambam. And we're going to shift our attention now to Hilchot Bikor Cholim. And I'd like to, let's, let's start out reading the Rambam. But as we read, I want to think about the ways in which we could read the Rambam kind of superimposed on the Ramban, uh, or, vice, yeah, or vice versa, because the Rambam came first. But how, do, how you might read these two sources in tandem. Uh, could I have a volunteer to read? Great, thank you. This is the Bikur Yes, source number 15. Okay, Rambam, Mishneh Torah, Ilchot Eber, etc. Mitzvot Aseh, Great. 
Okay, so we have a series of mitzvot um, of positive commandments, shel divrehem, which is an interesting category in the Rambam. And among them are bikor uh, cholim, um, taking care of all the various um, rituals associated with burying the dead, comforting the mourners, um, being misameach hatan and kala, uh, rejoicing with the bride and groom, things like that. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But it's an inter- well, it's, it's an a, yes. It's, it's not. It's a mitzvah. Asay shall divrehem. Exactly. It's not a mitzvah. That, it's not diorita. Despite what, what, despite what follows, um, keep on reading, please. So these are all gemilut. This is all chesed, and there's no, uh, there's no shiur for this. There's no kind of minimum requisite. Great. So even though these are midivrehem, even though these are not diorita, these are rabbinic, these are within the category of v'yahavta l'reacha kamocha. These all have the proof text or the, the, the scriptural buttress of um, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There we go. And then he kind of spells this out. Just finish it up. Okay, can, now he... Anything he, you want done to you, you exactly. do for your fellow, your fellow Jew. Great. Right? Okay, yeah. we can come back to another yeah. shear as well. <laughs> Great. 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 Okay, so if you had to kind of well, first of all, what is he, what are some of the, he's drilling down with Bikor Cholim, so number one, he says it's mitzvah on everybody. It's afilu gadol mevakeret katan. Any ideas what his source might be, midrashically, for this idea that even a great person should visit a humble person, yeah? God visiting Yeah, great. God visiting Abraham in the, in the context of Brit Mila. Yeah, I think, so he's saying even the great visits the small, um, visit many times, and this is in- extraordinarily... Um, a day. Many times a day. Many, ex- yes, many times a day. And But don't be... It shouldn't be onerous to the sick person. And then he... And then this last line is so incredibly striking. What... Um, he seems... To say that this is, if you don't, if you don't visit, you are ki'ilu shofech damim, and that ki'ilu is seems to be the consequence of the first ki'ilu. Right. Somebody who visits the sick, it is as though they are taking away part of the sickness and easing their sickness, 
And whoever doesn't visit, it is as, it is as though they are shofech damim. So we have this, the Ramban mentions these, and then the Rambam mentions the same proof texts in the context of Bikur Cholim. And, yeah. You did say earlier that you've just inverted the order and historically in which these texts... Yes. Okay. Yes, so, yes, yes, okay. yes. Um, and also, of course, the, the Rambam himself, when he's talking not about the obligation to heal, but about the obligation to save somebody, he also, he uses this text, Lo Tavod al Right? Am I right about that? Did I remember that correctly? Yeah. Lo Tavod al This is the obligation for the Rambam to save. So, if we put these, so the green is the Rambam. Um, so if we put these, the Ramban and the Rambam, if we kind of juxtapose them, I think that we get a certain vision of medical care which is extraordinarily broad. So if we take the Ramban, who again, somewhat anachronistically, um, sees medical, uh, sees healing and medical care, the administration of medical care, as this reshut de mitzvah. Once the doctor has the reshut, he has the obligation to carry it out. And then we take the Rambam, who seems to see um, healing as encompassing a very uh, wide and broad range of, um, of treatments. I think he, it seems like he's almost saying that Bikur Cholim is a type of medical treatment because he's saying that it's, yes, with, with the caveat that he uses the word ki'ilu, that this is something which will, uh, which will take away some of, the, some of the sickness. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I think for Rambam, I mean, as I remember it elsewhere in terms of Bikur Cholim, it's really about praying for the person. So... Right? It's, we'll get to that. Right. So it's it's not that he's in the role of a kind of <coughs> quasi-physician. Uh-huh. Right? It's really the, it's sort of the re-emergence of this role for God. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and the visitor as the enabler or bringing down that role for God. Mm-hmm. But he's not saying a mishpah for him. He is in another room. He is physically in the space... Yeah, that's a great that's point. A, I think that's a mm-hmm. distinction that these, that's I think a really important. Good. Yeah. Ramban and Ramban are not promulgating these rules in a vacuum. Okay. What are they responding to? Um, I'm thinking maybe at least Ramban was uh, responding to a strict Muslim idea that only God can heal. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. We're a rabbi. Uh-huh. Um, God, ironic. But I, I'd have to look into that. in a Christian environment. Yes. Why, why can't they bear their own personal profession? I mean, these are people who were surrounded and were engaged in people who are ill and people who are visiting the ill. So, but Meaning, of course, as a conservative rabbi, I believe everything is historically conditioned. But, um, but I also think it could just be written by a guy who's with a bunch of sick people. 
But the fact that they're coming to visit him implies that they think he had permission to kill him. So who says he doesn't? Well, I want to look, right. I want to look at some of the Midrashic and Talmudic sources on Bikor Cholim because I think that the Rambam is drawing on a very rich reservoir of, and a very, yeah, and a very nuanced reservoir of ideas related to Bikur Cholim. So I, I'm not discounting the historical context. I would want to look more deeply into that um, and into the Islamic versus Christian milieus. And I think that they were different when it came to their medical practices. Um, but I think that I, I, I want to also make, I don't want to, only look outside. I think that there's a very strong internal tradition that they're that they're drawing with, and that they're uh, and that they're playing with, that they're creating with, that they're using. Um, so I think that again, and I'll just if the permission to heal is linked to an obligation to heal, then the obligation extends to medical care, not just narrowly defined. Um, but medical care in the broadest and deepest um, way possible, caring for the sick in a much larger um, conception. So let's look at some of these. Uh, let's look at some of these other uh, forms of medical care, which I think are expressed in the Hilchot Bikor Cholim, or not just the. Hilchot Bikor Cholim, but just some of the um, literature, even without the term Bikor Cholim. Um, and I would say that there are three values which we see um, from some of these rabbinic and midrashic sources. And I think that there's something almost covenantal here, where if doctors, once God gives permission to doctors to heal, and once they're obligated to heal in as broad a way possible, what, what does that mean practically? Their healing has to be accompanied by certain values. And I would say that the values that we see are humility, empathy, and the dignity of the sick person, the intrinsic dignity of the sick person. So I think we already saw an example of humility in the Rambam himself when he talks about the great visiting the small, that that's an expression of humility of somebody, you know, and I'm, you know, imagining, you know, what the Rambam was, you know, what the Rambam kind of had in mind, God visiting Abraham, um, but let's say more kind of human examples. I mean, well, a teacher and a student, exactly. I mean, your rabbis, I think that, you know, when you visit you might see that already as kind of an automatic part of your portfolio, but what does it mean for um, for a rabbi to visit a congregant? And I'm re my father was a pulpit rabbi, and I remember it was a month before he died, it made such a strong impression on me. He was already sick to the degree he could barely talk. He called somebody um, who themselves, uh, their child, they had a child who was very sick. So I think that, you know, that, makes a tremendous, I think that, you know, you might take it for granted, but when you visit a congregant, I think it makes a tremendous impact. I want to look at the next, we have four sources um, which deal with different different expressions of Bikor Cholim. Maybe let's jigsaw it. Can we have maybe uh, the Chavrutas 
over here, do Midrash Kohelet Rabbah, and then the you guys over here do the Gemara and Shabbat. Um, back there, the Nidarim, Daf Mem Amud Aleph, and then over here, Nidarim Mem Aleph Amud Aleph. Um, so, and then we'll come back together. Think about the value that the source is is expressing. Okay, we're gonna come back together. These are great sources. Um, I just want to kind of go go around quickly, and if you haven't read the source under discussion, feel free to read it. Um, if you could just, the, for the first source, the Midrash Kohelet Rabbah, give us, can somebody just give a brief synopsis and then reflect on the value uh, that's emerging? Sorry. Yeah. So um, when Hezekiah is, is very ill, Great. God tells Isaiah to go and visit him and tell him to get your affairs in order. And when he goes and does this... And, and even more specifically... Like you're, di- you're dying. So you're dying. So get your affairs in order. And when... He goes and does this. Hezekiah gives him a rebuke and says, "This isn't what you're supposed to do. You know, you're, you're supposed to give me hope. You're supposed to wish for my healing. You know, and if you were a doctor, you're supposed to tell me what I should drink and what I sh- shouldn't drink and eat and, and whatnot." So it seems like it's a, a rebuke that that's you should never. I mean, and I was just saying, like, I don't. It, it seems strange. Does Hezekiah know better than? Than God. God, right? In, terms of what should be in this case, it almost seems yes. like yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. that yeah. God ca- can't possibly know right. what to say right. from a, from a place of empathy to a sick person. Right. And I think that's something that th- that's is that the, so in terms of the values you talked about, it's actually it's, it's empathy, but it's also dignity. Of the, how would a of sick person want to be right. spoken like, to? Yes, right. there is, and there was an article, and I forget the the author. She's been writing a lot. There was an article about how to recently in the New York Times how to talk to sick people. Yeah, um, I can find I can find it. Um, she wrote a book. Yes, and it, there's something extraordinary about this. And again, from a personal uh, from a personal Letty place. Cotton. Yeah. What was that? Letty Cotton. No, this is a different. That yes, she came out with a book, but this is this is a different work, and I, I can look for it. Um, I have the cl- I have the letters. I wrote cut out the letters to the editor because I thought those were also, uh, really fascinating. Yeah. So I I was supposed to read another text, but I have to okay. this one, and and I think that and I don't I haven't read the article, but I think that. A lot of modern conversation is the opposite of this, is that we actually have the opposite problem, that we will not talk to somebody yes. about, about dying. Yes. And my mother's a hospice nurse, and I'm also dealing with a couple of congregants who really sort of shot, uh, proverbially shot themselves in the foot by not acknowledging that they were close to the uh-huh. end and put themselves in positions where it's actually now worse for them to be yes. alive than it would have been for them right. to die naturally. And, um, and so I'm actually having a lot of problems with this text right now because I, I do get this sense of you shouldn't be you shouldn't just go into somebody's room and say you're dying, put your affairs in order, but you shouldn't also say oh you're going to be okay, right? Especially when a lot of times the ill person knows that they're not okay. Right. I I, I would read this contextually. No, in no, other I, words, I think I think that you're right that today this midrash would be written very differently. Um, but I, but I think kind of the underlying point is very significant. Like, how do you want to be you? 
you know, think Yeshayahu, how would you want to be spoken to? And maybe that's the operating principle. Um, yes, and agree that the opposite, and I was going to say that, that there were doctors, and I think that this kind of, this reshut de mitzvah, this permission and obligation, um, like, on the one hand, like, I myself feel this kind of dichotomy. On the one hand, I have, like, endless awe and gratitude to the, do to the whole medical profession um, for saving my father's life for, you know, 15 years, for extending my father's life. But on the other hand, I think the doctors who he had the closest relationships with, who could not tell us, could not tell my mother, could not tell the family, and in that w that he was dying, and in that way created an extraordinary amount of harm. Um, who and who didn't? And then the doctors who, at the very end, came in and, in the like crudest terms possible, you know, kind of deliver that information to my father. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's it's true about do it's true this kind of question of at the very least just being thoughtful about it. Mm -hmm. It's it's true for the doctors, and then it's true as well. And again, when we think about medical care broadly conceived, when it includes people who are mevaker cholim, rabbis, or ordinary people. Um, the question is very is a very deep one. Yeah, yeah. Feel, and I'm, I'm sort of feeling like um, just thinking of situations that, that that we are sometimes in that it's almost like in the shiva house that it's like we don't talk about it unless the other person talks about it first. Great. That's that that that, that could be a model. Be yeah. Yes, and look, I th I don't think it's a coincidence that the Rambam talks about nichum avilim and bikor cholim in the same, you know, in the same category. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it's just interesting from just opening up chapter thirty-eight yeah. that after getting the news, Hezekiah praised the God and God yes. says, "Cool man, yeah, I'll give you another fifteen years." That's right. <laughs> so that's it right. totally works. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Good. Kelly didn't like that. I guess. Yeah. 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 So two weeks or so, Rami picked up on this, which I didn't see, which I actually think is a good reading, which is it's a rebuke to God. I do think, I feel like yeah. that's, mm -hmm. um, but I also, I, this may be me reading into it, I'm not sure it's a shot, but I'm reading the contrast between um, between a regular person who's supposed to say customarily, right, no heg shibolam adam, right, that uh, you have compassion, may heaven have compassion upon you, is a contrast with what the doctor says. That there's an implicit uh -huh. critique hmm. of the doctor. It, it's too strong. Like the doctor is saying, you know, eat this, drink this, don't eat this, don't drink this. Whereas a person mm -hmm. says, may heaven the heavens have compassion mm -hmm. on you. Like, mm. I mean, I. So yeah. there's almost something about like the medical knowledge and training that gets in the way. Exactly. Which it has to get in the way. Right. But, it has to, but it, it's but, also a problem. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. got to be a way of kind of also transcending right. that. Okay, great. Um, next Midrash, the Shabbat, uh, the one from Asachat Shabbat. Well, we're reading about people, first of all, following after Rabbi Eli, uh, or it's after uh, Elazar, Rabbi Elazar, mm -hmm. when he would visit. So that's in itself interesting, kind of learning how to do, people were trying to learn how to do the right. by watching yes. him. And he used both Hebrew and Aramaic mm -hmm. interchangeably. And, but didn't we have another teaching? Can we reconcile with other teachings that you can never pray in Aramaic because they know that Aramaic? So they bring in the important point that the Shekhinah, when it's someone is actually ill and on their sickbed, that the Shekhinah is there with her. So you can speak right? Aramaic because the Shekhinah yeah, understands, right? right? And similarly, it's emphasized again that you should um, not, you shouldn't sit. Uh, 
on the bed. On the bed. Mm -hmm. On the seat. Yeah. Wrap yourself around. Uh, yeah. <coughs> what you have? Number one, you have to wrap yourself. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Also, same idea, I think, because the shechina is on top of the person. of the sick person. So you want your tamit? You no, just your being. Wrapping yourself. Yeah. I don't know. Tamit atef, right? And you're. In the context, I, I, I think I, I, I'm almost reading it that the context means don't sit at the head of the bed. Well, that's yes. As it was taught. Yes. Right, the because the Shekhinah is, the is there. You can, sit, you can sit at the foot of the bed, mm -hmm. but not at the head of the bed. Right, right. So, again, I, what, I don't know if you had to kind of derive a value well, I, more general. That there's sanctity being with somebody who is, that there's a sense of divine presence in, yeah. in visiting. That, this, that the divine, that the, I think that there is the divine presence is with yeah. the sick person. Yes. It directly inheres within the sick person. And it's particularly amazing when you, yeah? I'm sorry. No. It directly inheres in the sick person. I think, the, you know, it's, it's God is visiting the sick, therefore we should visit uh -huh. the sick. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, mm -hmm. Other than some fluffy Salem Elohim, we all have God in us. Right. I think it's specifically... <laughs> You know, the Kaddish Baruch who was there in the room with the sick person, all the more so you should feel empowered. Great. There's also a sense of humility that we don't uh -huh. sit on, you know, God is, has his place, and we have our place in this. Great. Yeah. I, I want to just, I mean, yeah, God is physically, physically, God is non-physically <laughs> in the room with the sick person. And I, right. I think that's particularly apt given that the rabbis recognize, if you look in source 19, that the sick person, that, that you could easily construe the sick person as not having dignity, because they might have, you know, that there's, the rabbis are very explicit about the idea that the sick person might be soiling him or herself. And that, exactly, that the sick person's dignity could be construed as, comp as compromised, and yet God is there with a sick person nonetheless. Yeah. Um, I just, I, not that I think it's not true that we should imitate God's ways, and I think we mm -hmm. get that from other sources, but I don't think that's what's going on here at all. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think if you look at, the, at what this means about the positioning, if the divine presence rests above the pillow of the same mm -hmm. person, and you're not supposed to sit on their bed or on a seat, but you're supposed to sit in front of them, what that means is that you have to be facing the sick person. Uh -huh. You have to uh -huh. be present mm -hmm. to them. You have to be, yeah. If I, I just want to take one minute. What this is, there's a, uh, it's reminding me of the question that often gets asked, why are there no brachot for mitzvot ben adam Josh Gutoff, who's one of our mm -hmm. uh, conservative colleagues, wrote a great article on mm -hmm. this, and basically his conclusion was that a bracha draws our attention to God, mm -hmm. just, and to do that at mm -hmm. the moment when we should be mm -hmm. drawing, uh, we should be instead, our mm -hmm. eye and our attention should be drawn mm -hmm. to the sick person. Beautiful. So that's why we don't do mm -hmm. it here. If we imagine, if you're a sick person, and I imagine God's presence right above you, then yeah. my attention can, in a sense, be on Great. both. And if I'm mm -hmm. like, kind of thinking mm -hmm. of the God part of it, mm -hmm. that will also right. force me to Great. be present to you. Great. Um, 
I want to move to the last source because we have two minutes, and I don't want to sort shortchange. Um, a tool go on, do you? Okay. So I just. This is, first of all, an extraordinary book. I think it yeah. should be required reading. Yes. There's uh, from the New Yorker Festival. Mm -hmm. I show it to people with Yona, and go look it up. Look up his Great. name in New Yorker Festival yeah. on YouTube. So he's talking to doctors. Yeah. I think that well, what well. he's saying, and I think that the what you know when we put the Rambam and the Ramban together, I think that and we read. Atul Gawande through that lens, I think he's talking to us as well. Um, being mortal is about the struggle to cope with the constraints of our biology, with the limits set by genes and cells and flesh and bone. Medical science has given us remarkable power to push against these limits, and the potential value of this power was a central reason I became a doctor. But again and again, I have seen the damage we in medicine do when we fail to acknowledge that such power is finite and always will be. We've been wrong about what our job is in medicine. We think our job is to ensure health and survival, but really it is larger than that. It is to enable well-being. And well-being is about the reasons one wishes to be alive. Those reasons matter not just at the end of life or when debility comes, but all along the way. Whenever serious sickness or injury strikes and your body or mind breaks down, the vital questions are the same. What is your understanding of the situation and its potential outcomes? What are your fears and what are your hopes? What are the trade-offs you are willing to make and not willing to make? And what is the course of action that best serves this understanding? If to be human is to be limited, then the role of caring professions and institutions, from surgeons to nursing homes, and I would include rabbis and even regular people in this, ought to be aiding people in their struggle with those limits. Sometimes we can offer a cure, sometimes only a salve, sometimes not even that. But whatever we can offer, our interventions and the risks and sacrifices they entail are justified only if they serve the larger aims of a person's life. When we forget that, the suffering we inflict can be barbaric. When we remember it, the good we do can be breathtaking. So I will let Atul go on, we have the last one. Thanks for listening. To learn more with Hadar, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.